0: Good evening, listeners, and welcome along to Across the Line here on Tip FM with myself, Paul Carroll, on this Friday, the 26th of January, 2024. On this week's edition of the show, as always, we will be looking ahead to the weekend of sport in Tipperary. This week, in particular, we're looking ahead to the Tipperary Senior Hurlers Challenge game with Limerick in the aid of the Dylan Quirk Foundation. We're going to be speaking to Dan Quirk in just a couple of moments' time about that. We'll also be looking ahead to the Tip Footballers' first game in Division 4 of the National Football League. They're taking on Carlow tomorrow evening uh, at 6 o'clock in Semple Stadium. We're going to be looking ahead to that game. also' going to be hearing from Tipperary Senior Camogie Manager Dennis Kelly after uh, he announced his squad during the week. And this week's edition of Sporting Edge will be featuring Amy Jo Hayes, the feathered jockey who won the HRI's Ride of the Year last year. We're going to be hearing about her journey in the world of being a jockey. And as always, Barry Drake will end the show with his Greyhound update. So all that and more to come across the next hour or so. So let's get into it. So I mentioned that Tipperary take on Limerick on Sunday. This is at two o'clock in Semple Stadium in aid of the Dylan Quirk Foundation. And I'm delighted to say I'm joined on the line by Dylan Quirk's father, Dan Quirk. Dan, you're very welcome to the show.
1: Thank you very much, Bob. Thank you.
0: Dan, it's uh we're here for this game on Sunday, two o'clock in Semple Stadium, uh, Tipperary versus Limerick. Of course, for the Dylan Quirk Foundation, which is uh, over a year old now, and I believe is up around the one million mark raised already. So it's a, uh, it's been an incredible, I suppose, first year for for the foundation.
1: It has, yeah. Look, it's, it's been it's been very good. Um, as you, we started around December last year, the year, year gone by, and we're actually only thirteen months now. We're I think about one point one million. So, with regards funding, it's gone very, very well, and the support we've received, not just in Tipperary but all the all the counties in Munster and all over, and has been phenomenal.
0: Yeah, it, it's it's something else like that. How how quickly um so much has been raised, and I suppose it's just a testament to the to the work you're doing. And this game on Sunday is another kind of step along that. Um, last year's game against Kilkenny seemed to go off a very good success as well. So, you'd be hoping for something similar here come Sunday.
1: Yeah. Uh, look, it's it's a great game to to be involved in. To have the All Ireland champions in Semple Stadium is is what it's really what you're looking for, a top class team and we'll see where how Tipperary are going. It's, it's, they seem to be going okay. They're just before Christmas there in the, the Monster League, um, leaps into blooded new players, which is great. So we thinking we're moving in the right direction. But so we'll know a bit more after Sunday and also Sunday week we'll play Dublin in Panel Park. So yeah, look, we're hoping for a big crowd on Sunday. The tickets are going well. It's getting plenty of airtime and media time, which is great. So yeah, we're hoping to be a big success.
0: Yeah, and tickets are, are twenty quid. You can buy the tickets online, but you can also you can also uh, pay at the gate, can't you, as well?
1: That's correct. Yeah, yeah, both both, both opportunities. Yeah, online or at the gate
0: yeah so that's uh, very helpful for for people going along on the day and the game has been streamed as well. so if you can't make it on on the day, um you can stream it too on clubber and also um the uh, donations are always always available online as well. So I suppose it's it's a year as you said thirteen months into the the foundation set up. How have you found it yourself? Um, obviously a lot of work has to go into to something like this Dan. Yeah,
1: look, when we started we no we no idea where would it Um It's been really, really busy. I didn't know we'd actually but we'd reached a million in the first year, but we did, which is great. But we've also started to screen. We've we've done three screens in Tipperary. We're screening on Saturday in Patrick's Well, and in the following week in a hands. So we're moving outside of Tipperary because we're, we're obviously a national charity, and we've started the G and once that's successful, we move on to different sports. And of course, the end game really here is to get the government involved. And once once we get the government involved, I suppose we've achieved what we're trying to achieve, and it'll be a great legacy for Dylan if we can
0: do that. Yeah, no, it's incredible work. So work ha- has begun. How is how does that process work in terms of you're going out to clubs, is it at the minute?
1: Yeah, we're going out to clubs at the minute. Um, we're we're partnering with a company called Advanced Medical Services in Cork. So they offer they, they offer the screening. They do come to the clubs. We were hoping and still hoping that maybe we can go to Centre of Excellence in these counties, which would bring 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 different clubs together. But it's a little bit difficult because at the minute, we're only looking at Saturdays because young young kids are in school. But in during the summer, then it'll open out to it'll be four, it'll be five or six days a week, which is great. But obviously, the central Excellence are very busy at the minute on the Saturday. But that's that's the plan. AMS go to the club; they can screen 45 young adults per screening. So the idea is to get 6,000 screenings done this year, and we bookings at the minute now. The bookings are right up to the 1st of July. So I think we'll have the book filled very very soon with numerous clubs onto us to get screening, which is great because it's very important it's done. But the support and the help from all the G8 clubs across the country has been magnificent and that's what makes this all worthwhile. That we have great support and parents obviously understand that it's very important to, that their children get, to, to do get screened and in the hope that we can save some lives. I know we will down the time and if there are other issues that, that can be found out when screening, all the better. But look, we're here to help people as best we can and it's been a great success so
0: far yeah it's been it's been incredible and the importance of these screens really can't go without saying because um like if you think about it there you've you've planning on doing maybe what six thousand for for this year or around that figure and you've done some already has there been any kind of um feedback from people at all in terms of Joe you know, th- things might have popped up or anything like that because yeah yeah, yeah. There, there, has,
1: there has been feedback and um, there have there has maybe a significant 2015. Some Somewhere on that number, there has been issues, and people have come back. Now, look, our job as a, as, a, as a foundation is to get young kids screened. If there is an issue, what generally happens is that the cardiologists will go back to the parent, and they'll take it from there. And to a certain point, our job is done at that stage. But you know, we it, obviously the parents to take it on then with, and and go further and see if they can sort out the issue. But they have done that. A number of people have done that. That have had an issue and they've got a problem sorted out. whether it being stepping aside from sport for a month or two months or three months, getting the little issue sorted, and then they can move on. But it's a great comfort to parents to know it's available. And, it's, as I, again, I'd say it's so important, whether you're playing a club club sport or county sport, is to get screened. I think in Italy, I don't know if you heard it before, but it's, it's mandatory in Italy. You cannot play sport over the age of 12 unless you're screened, and it's done every second year. And they've brought down the numbers by nearly 90% in 20 years. So it is. It works, and that's the bottom line. It does work, and we just need to support and to keep
0: it going. Yeah, wow, well, that's that's incredible. I, I wasn't aware of that, but that's yeah, that's really taking it to to the next step and probably the uh, definitely in the right direction. But for yourself, Dan, like it's it's over a year and a half now since um, since Dylan's unfortunate passing. How has the work in this foundation does that help you or, or the family at all? Just kind of help, I suppose, with with the grief of of Dylan's passing.
1: I suppose, personally, for myself, it has helped. Like, little did I know where it'd be, that I'd be doing this seven days a week, 365 a year, with the foundation. It has been a great support to me. Maybe not as much to Hazel and the two girls, because it can be overpowering at times, but I do find it a big help, because obviously there's a huge void left with Dylan's passing for all of us. And Look, you'll always have loneliness, and you'll have a void there, and there's not a lot you can do about that. I don't know how long that'll take. The grieving process is, is different for everybody, I guess, but by helping others... That definitely helps. That's what I think is great. So we'll continue to do that as long as we can.
0: Yeah, no, it it really is an incredible legacy. And for things now like Sunday, going to Simple Stadium, of course, and um for a, a Tipperary game, does does that kind of um set anything off for you at all when when you go into a game like like Sunday?
1: Well, I think the Tipperary matches are not too bad. The club matches I found more more difficult, particularly last year. I just went to one match with the Sarsfields match. And, that didn't go great and then we got into a relegation battle which makes it a lot more difficult and I didn't go but thankfully we got out of that. Mm. Yeah, it is it is difficult going to matches, but we've a great a great family and great friends and great support and we usually travel and a car or two was going to the match. So we have numbers going to the match which is great. We just tried to get out there and it's great to support the TIP teams and the club teams because it meant everything to Dylan and we're we're a great family and, and club here. So the support from everybody keeps us all going and once this is a success I suppose it'll leave a great legacy and Dylan will be looking down us, wishing us the best of luck maybe smiling smiling at times, watching what's going on because as I said, it's countrywide. As you know we had the jerseys out the tip jerseys, and we had the Lumit jerseys gone out, they went out earlier in the week. I think they went out on Tuesday morning. We ordered I think, two hundred jerseys. They were gone by Wednesday evening. We've wow. got three hundred ordered now and as it happens they're 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 flying it, they're flying so it's great that it's hit home not just in Tipperary but all over Ireland because it's a national charity. i say, saying we want to make sure people understand that it's just not Tipperary. But we we'll started here and we're moving moving further aboard.
0: Well, Dan, it's a it's a brilliant um, legacy you're, you're leaving for Dylan. It's a brilliant foundation. And as I said, Sunday two o'clock is the place to be in Simple Stadium. And um, Dan, I can't thank you enough for joining us here and across the line.
1: Thank you very much. We we'll talk to you soon. The best of luck.
0: Yeah, it just can't be understated how important that work is that uh, Dan Quirk and everyone is doing at the Dylan Quirk Foundation so if uh, you could get out and support on Sunday 2 o'clock in Semple Stadium get out and support Let's uh, see a very good game of hurling as well Tipperary versus Limerick our last chance to see Liam side before the start of the National Hurling League so you'll find all the links and all that the foundation.com is the website and uh, I'm sure you've seen the links and stuff on the uh, Tipperary GA website as well if you want to buy tickets and you can buy them on the day as Dan was saying there as well so we're going to take our first ad break of the evening now and after the break we're going to be looking ahead to the Tipperary footballers first game of their campaign and we're also going to be talking to Tipperary senior camogie manager Dennis Kelly. All that and more after these. And you're very welcome back to Across the Line here on TIP FM with myself Paul Carroll on this Friday the 26th of January 2024. Now tomorrow evening 6 o'clock start in Semple Stadium Tipperary take on Carlow in the first round of Division 4 the National Football League. This is a game you can hear live here on TIP FM. Myself and Tom McGraw will be on commentary from 6 o'clock, coverage with thanks to Eco Solar Energy in Kilsheelan. But to look ahead to the game, I'm delighted to say I'm joined on the line by football analyst Anthony Shelley. Anthony, you're very welcome back to the show.
2: Yeah, thanks. Bro.
0: Here we are now, Anthony. Uh, the the cam before the, the storm that is the National Football League is upon us. Um, Saturday evening, tip against Carlow. How how do you kind of feel going into the league now? It's it's all it's that kind of it's that time of the year where everything is everything is new, everything is still a possibility. But uh, where where are you kind of uh, feeling going into this game?
2: I'm not actually sure how, how I'm feeling about it, Paul. Um, the, I suppose there was there was green shoots there in our performance against uh, against Limerick in the McGrath Cup, but then if you analyse it and drilled a bit deeper. Uh, you would hear that Limerick were missing something like 17 of last year's panels. So I suppose, uh, you, you would wonder what the, the, the benefit of, you know, was it as good of a performance a, a, as we all seem to think it was a, on, on the day in, um, in Temple Going in against Carlo, I think the last time we played Carlo was in the Talbot Cup. I think it might have been maybe 2022. It was, yeah. and yeah. And, um, if you're a temporary football supporter you're 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 well used to having some some dark days and I think when leaving Doctor Cullen Park in, in in Carlo that day, uh was, was very down. Uh Carlo I think the only one by two points at the end call, but it felt like an awful lot more. So Yeah, it was uh, one
0: twelve to one ten on the day up was, in Doctor Cullen yeah, Park. Was
2: yeah, was it yeah. And uh, it felt like a lot an awful lot more. And Carlo there you know, they 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 had a good run in the Talsing Cup last year as well. Like, I mean, they got they got out of their their group, uh, beaten Limerick, and they may have been
0: beaten. I forget who else it was. It Limerick, uh, Limerick and Wicklow, 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 Wicklow and Wicklow. Longford were in their group as well. Yeah,
2: they, yeah uh, and uh, yeah, it was it was Wicklow and Longford actually actually to beat. So, as far as I know, from from the little bit of research I've done on them, they 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 have more or less the same team, same panel as they had last year. Uh, maybe their centre back Sean Bambrick has is, gone travelling, but everybody else seems to be available. So, uh, with Tip in a transition period, uh, with a lot of new faces in around the panel, you know it's it's really hard when the call. You don't know like um, uh, we people people say like Tip are not a division four side, but I suppose the only way to prove that is to finish in first or second in the league. Uh, and get and get yourself out of Division Four at the first attempt. And traditionally, we've been quite good at that. You know, uh, when we've gone down, we come back up. But staying in Division Three was all, was was always our our our, our problem. So with a new team, it really is the great the great unknown. And. Um, I, I don't know how how to call this game. There'll be one just to take a watch and brief and see where we are after that. Like
0: yeah, exactly. Yeah, it, it is hard to hard to tell because it's so new. It's a new setup for Tipperary, as you said. There's a lot of new players in there, and if you're to look at some, some of the scores from the the, the day, even Tip played uh, Carlo two years ago. Um, you know some of those names aren't going to be there for Tipperary. Lee McGrath, Kevin Faye, lads like those. So it's it's all new for Tipperary, but it's. It's if you're going to be starting new, starting a fresh division four. At least it, it gives you it gives you a chance anyway, but. It's it's a it's a tough one to to call, but as as Tom McGrath was saying on Monday night in extra time, that the home games in Division Four are going to be very important because Tip go on the road to to Longford, Leitrim, and London. So the the four home games against Wexford, Waterford, um, Leash, and and this one against Carlow, these are going to be very important. So if Tip are going to do something in Division Four uh, this this year, it's probably going to have to start here Saturday night.
2: Yeah, and, and Tom is right because there there is there is a math spot out there that in the in, in the in the national league it's something like seventy five percent of of games are won by the home team. So if 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 we are going to come out, yeah, we we would need um we would need to get a, get off to a good start against Carlo and um you know because I mean Longford who who seem to be going quite well did they, they, they win the Auburn Cup again this year or something that uh, that they, they, they um they they're going quite well you would see that as a tricky game any time he goes along for the It it has been a tricky game. Uh the London one I suppose yeah, you probably would be hopeful that um you would you would get a get a result over there. But yeah, within the four if we are going to get promoted we have to win our four home games.
0: Yeah, so it's uh, it's gonna be interesting to see it's gonna be interesting to see the team as well because the likes of uh Connor Sweeney, I believe, is still not going to be featuring just yet, but the likes of Jack Kendy from from commercials, um interesting to see if he's if he's back in the fold yet and things like that. So it's gonna yeah. be interesting to see the the starting lineup.
2: Yeah, my, my information is that with um Barr with the exception say of Connor Sweeney and um and Mark Russell who were kinda of long term injuries and you know, you may or may not see them towards the end of the league. That everybody else is more or less available for selection now. Whether they're available for seventy-minute game is is not going at this stage. But uh, yeah, say you will see a lot of the the old familiar faces back on the field again again at some stage during the, during this game. My my worry is um, looking at Carlo's results over the last few years. The all. To kick, 13-14 points. Thirteen points is a regular score for for them. And um, the, we've spoken about this before. Have hit thirteen points in them if if Sean O'Connor is tied up. Um, yeah, and. That will be interesting to see. Will somebody else step up to the mark? And you know, can if we if we can score more, if we can score fourteen or fifteen points, I think I think whatever way that is made up, one twelve or two nine or whatever, um, you know, it, it might be enough to get up, get you over the line. But the evidence of the first two games this year would suggest that we are very very dependent on um, on, on on Sean O'Connor, and you would worry that if if he if he was tied up, would be would will we be able to score enough? To, to win the game
0: yeah so as you said it's kind of a, a sit back and see wh- how we go and uh, kind of uh, catch up on it after that so that's what we're going to do Anthony and we'll, we'll see how we get on here on Saturday evening so thanks for joining us and Across the Line
2: yeah no problem Paul thank you
0: and a reminder to listeners tomorrow's game 6 o'clock start in Semple Stadium is live here on Tip FM with thanks to Eco Solar Energy in Kilsheelan So now we're going to move on to Camogie now. And during the week, the Tipperary Senior Camogie panel was named. And to speak about that and more, I'm delighted to say I'm joined on the line by Tipperary Senior Camogie manager, Dennis Kelly. Dennis, you're very welcome back to the show.
3: Thanks very much, Paul.
0: Uh, Dennis, during the week there, we saw the uh, the team was named for the upcoming uh, Camogie League, uh, which gets underway not till uh, the fo- the seventeenth of February. So another few weeks yet, but um, great to see the team announced lots of kind of new faces in there as well. But I suppose firstly, um, the one big absence f- from the from the team sheet is Caught Devan. So uh, it's looking like you're not going to have Court uh, on board this year. Uh,
3: no, not for the immediate future anyway. Uh, Caught is, is getting married in March, so. She has requested to get, get a bit of a break. She said she's not retiring or anything like that, but just getting a break for the immediate future, and um, she'll, she'll reassess that after that. But for the moment, we're planning without cards, so she's going to be a big a big loss. She's been the Tally's tele, woman there for Tip Camogie for the last good number of years. So uh, it's a pity that she's not able to commit, but at the same time, we respect her wishes. She has a busy year ahead of her um, <clears throat> on the home front, so, uh, you know, to to be expected.
0: Yeah, yeah, and... Um, lo- looking at the at the other side of things, then as well as some of the new faces that come in a number from the junior side last year, Ellen Canine being one, but Jean Kelly is is one as well. She kind of really lit it up at the at the junior grade uh, last year, so you'd be hoping she can kind of uh, transfer that form from last year into the senior panel this year.
3: Yeah, definitely. Now we come back in November with a uh, with some newcomers, new faces, and some of them have held on and shown really well. Over the, over the winter months, so they've got their chance now, they're in on the, that 30-woman panel, so it, it's a tough it's tough to cut it to 30, you know we've had big decisions to make and even some of the girls that have lost out, haven't lost out by a whole pile so we're encouraging them to go back and play with the, with the junior, the t- Tipperary juniors and, and, and make their way back up to the senior panel that way, so we hope they will I think they will, they'll join Bill Milani's outfit. So it'll, it'll make Tipperary Coggy stronger going forward.
0: Yeah, and it's probably nice to have that kind of pathway in place for, with the likes of Gene Kelly and Ellen Canine. that, you know, a good year with the juniors can really help your case to, to move up the ranks the following year.
3: That's exactly it, yeah. And you know, if, if the juniors can be, can be successful this year, I've no doubt they'll be there, thereabouts at the junior championship. You know, even next year then, you're, you're up intermediate, you're, you're closer to the senior grade, and you might even get a few more candidates from the from the team so look at that's what you need you know you need joined up thinking uh, the county board have emphasised that and we're as managers we're, we're going along with that and we believe that's the way to go for Tipperary-Kamogi going forward
0: Yeah that's that's great to hear and uh, since we're last talking on air the, the groups were announced for the uh, All-Ireland uh, Championship so Tipperary in there with uh, Limerick, Derry Antrim, Kilkenny and Watford so just your general thoughts on that group it's going to need a top three finish to, to get out to the knockout stages
3: yeah, I should look at the more groups, sir. So probably the other group looks a bit thick here with, with some more challenging teams towards the, the tail end of the group. But at the same time, we can't take any, any teams for granted. And look, there's two, two uh, Northern teams in there, so there'll be a bit of travelling involved, no doubt. And, that can always be tricky as well. Getting, a, you know, a team travelling for hours and then get get off the bus or whatever it is to play. So, look, we will be taking nothing for granted, but at the same time, you know, we, we feel we could be in a good position. We'd be hoping, definitely hoping, to be in the top three there. And uh, you know, the way the girls are training at the moment and the way things have started, it's been really positive.
0: Yeah, that's good to hear and we mentioned that you're, you're first out in the league on Saturday the 17th of Watford uh, 17th of February against Watford um, another couple of weeks away yet but you do have a big a big, uh, challenge game that's coming up that's going to serve as, as a nice kind of introduction to the season uh, you're going to be playing Cork in Bursalee on uh, Friday the February 2nd so at half past seven it's a, a fundraising game for a, a local a young boy from Bursalee Paddy Duffy who uh, unfortunately has cancer at the minute so tell us a bit about this, uh, this fundraising game uh, Dennis.
3: Yeah. So look, it's a lovely game for us to get, and I suppose then uh, on the back of it, it's a it's a great cause. I suppose ourselves with Tipcomogie with uh, uh, and in in cooperation with Boris Lee, GA Club and Comogie Club were putting on this game, and we had a bit of help, I suppose, from our car competitors as well. I think it's their first challenge game of the of the new year uh, since they've won the All Ireland. So it was well, it's monster champions up against All Ireland champions. Um, so it's a really mouth-watering clash, and Paddy Duffy, you know, he's a local chap there in, in Burris-Lee, and he's, he's um, you know, he's fighting the fight of his life at the minute, and his family, you know, could do with all the support they can get. So, uh, you know, I had a chat back a couple of months ago with with um, Matthew Toomey, who is the now the ex uh, Cork manager, and we said, just could we do something for the family? They're steeped in in Camogie and hurling and GA in general. Um, you know, in the county So we said, could we do something for them to, to help out? So there's a Paddy Duffy weekend going on in Lee. So the first part of it will be the, the the match between ourselves and Cork, and then there'll be uh, to, there'll be some uh, spot prizes on the Sunday night, and there'll be uh, there's uh, more more activities going on and a fo- uh, family fun day as well on the Sunday during the day, and our track attack in Lee will also have a run on that weekend so there's a lot of activities going on that have been publicised at the moment but it's, it's really a great cause and you know anyone that wants to donate um, to Paddy Duffy uh, GoFundMe page is, is up and running and it's getting a great response
0: so far Yeah I spotted that alright so it's on GoFundMe Paddy Duffy, uh, Cancer Recovery if you search that up you'll find it uh, Entrance on the night is uh, just 10 euro to see as what Dennis said, the Munster Champions against the All-Ireland Champions uh, in a game that's really gearing up before the start of the league so it, one thing about the GA Dennis I suppose, uh, community in general is when something like this happens it's great to see so many people kind of run in behind a local family in difficult times
3: It definitely is. You know, we've had meetings up in Burrisalee here with with both clubs involved and and a couple of representatives from the tip county, county, uh, Camogie as well. And, you know, everyone's pulling the same direction. Everyone wants to help. Uh, it's a really, really good cause, as you said. Ten euros admission for the night. The cash or care. The care will be on the gate as well, and there'll also be QR codes all over the all over the pitch to to scan and donate. And there'll, there'll be you know there'll be buckets going around as well. So there's no excuses, and it's it's a really, really good cause. Teddy uh, is is heading back over to Manchester for six weeks treatment, and his his parents Nora Nora and and Doocy Duffy like they're they have to you know pause their jobs for the minute and go with him and. And that, and people, a lot of people might know his his grandmother, uh, Cameron Harkin, She's steeped in uh, in Comogee. There, she's a, she's involved with Monster Monster Comogee Association. So, uh, you know, they're well known people, but it's 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 now is the time, I suppose, that they're they're just in need of a bit of help. And uh, you know, everyone's rallying around them.
0: It's great, great to see. Yeah, it's great to see. So, Friday, February the second, at half past seven in Bursley uh, is the place to be to support that worthy cause. Uh, Dennis Kelly, thanks a million for joining us on the Crossline. Thanks very much, Paul. So that's another day to mark into the diary there. Next Friday, half past seven, Tipperary versus Cork. It, the Paddy Duffy cancer recovery fundraising game there so uh, all try and get along there to Bursley next uh, next Friday evening half past seven is the throwing time there as we heard from Dennis Kelly so now before we take our next ad break uh, a couple of things to look forward to this weekend in the world of Camogie we have Ursuline Thurless taking on presentation and Rye on Saturday this is at one o'clock in Littleton it's the All-Ireland Senior A School semi-final so the very best to look to uh, all involved with Ursuline Thurless the Tipperary Junior Camogie team they start the their division 2B league campaign against Cork that's at 2pm on Saturday in the County Camogie Grounds in the Rag ladies footballers are up in Oma. they're taking on Tyrone in the uh, division 2 of the ladies football league uh, throw in time there is at 1:45pm on Sunday so the very best of luck to uh, Peter Creedon site and in the world of rugby and Cashel they are away to Navan in division 2A Uh, This weekend on Saturday at half past two, Nina Ormond hosts Malone at the same time. And at the same time, Clonmel are on the road against Tullamore. That also has a half past two start in Division 2C. So a very, very busy weekend of sport here in the Premier County, as it always is. We also have some soccer fixtures to look forward to in the north of the county. On Sunday, the Premier Division Ricky Fogarty Cup. These games get underway at half at 11 o'clock. We've away Rovers versus Ballymackie and BT Harps at home to Killavilla and in the Premier Division at 11am, uh, our Rovers host Art Crony. In the south of the county, the Clonmel Credit Union Premier League at Clonmel Town hosting St. Michael's at half past 11 on Sunday and then at 12 o'clock, mile Burrus at home to Clonmel Celtic. And at uh, half past two, Care Park go on the road. They take on Tipperary Town. So very, very busy weekend of sport here in the Premier County. But We're going to take our second ad break of the night and we're going to be hearing from Feathered's jockey, Feathered jockey Amy Jo Hayes after these. And you're very welcome back to the third and final part of across the line here on Tip FM with myself, Paul Carroll, on this Friday, the 26th of January, 2024. Now it is time for this week's edition of the Sporting Edge. Of course, these feature where we look at a different Tipperary sports person every week. And uh, this week it is no, none other than feathered jockey Amy Jo Hayes Amy has risen through the ranks in the last couple of years And at just 23 years old she won the Ride of the Year as the, At the HRI Awards last year So very interesting chat I had yesterday with Amy Jo Hayes Let's hear that now
3: The Sporting Edge on Tip FM Funded by Commission Naman With the television licence fee
4: for having
0: me yeah it's great yeah no it's great to have you on Amy uh, uh, it's great to have a a jockey on because it's, some, it's something I'm kind of interested in learning about it's not something I know an awful lot about in terms of the the steps to becoming a jockey but just by by your own story um grew up in Feathered seemed to always be into into horse racing from a young age or horses at least from a young age
4: Yeah, we've always had horses and ponies at home, Um, mum and dad were into the racing and breeding side of things and my grandfather actually bred the Grand National Winner in 1986 with a horse called West Tip, so we always kind of had horses and ponies at home and I have no no other interest or anything else in mind only to work with horses and to pursue a career with them.
0: Yeah, and like growing up in Feathered and feathered killing all that region it's is very there's horses everywhere i'd imagine so you weren't too far away from from growing up
4: no horses were everywhere coomore would be our neighbor or surrounding area so with horses even studs or hunting hunts with the tip foxhounds we they'd be hunting around our land and stuff and uh, yeah we always it was always taking place from at home from a very early young age
0: yeah and then, like so growing up you always, you always liked horses, wanted to become a jockey, but what, what does that journey look like? Like, How do how do you become a, a jockey? What did it look like for you?
4: Uh, well, I suppose everybody has an inspiration growing up, and just set up for school, or for my confirmation name, I picked the name Ruby, because it could be a girl or a, a man's name, and I was inspired by Ruby from a very young age, going to these doll races, and just Watching him, you know, become my idol. So I um I I was inspired by Ruby, and I picked I actually picked the name to be my confirmation name as well. Oh. And um I know it's mad really, but um we um just had ponies. We were I was hunting. I hunted the tip fox hounds, and always had the dream of becoming a jockey. And so when I turned 16, I set, signed up for the race academy up into there, which is the racing school. And I've done my T.Y. year there and I came back there and did my leaving cert and I've worked a full time with horses ever since. So, and, I, and I haven't slept back yet, so I love it.
0: That's brilliant. So this, um, first of all, have you ever spoken to, to Ruby Walsh? Have you have you told him about that?
4: I don't think so. I, it's done a lot of um, interviews and articles and stuff. I'm sure he's probably seen it by now, but um, I don't know, actually. Um, <laughs> but I, I'd, love, I'd love to tell him someday and say... When I am in the process of trying to make it, I love
0: to tell them and look back at it and say, inspired me. <laughs> yeah, and uh, um, talk to me about about race the 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 racing school up in up in Kildare. Um, what's that like? I'd imagine for someone who's big into to horse racing, that's a a dream kind of a scenario where you're able to to learn the trade and keep your education going as well.
4: Yeah, so I was sixteen going up and my other sister was actually she was going to college in Limerick at the time when she was moving out and she she I couldn't wait to leave because I was working with horses as a full as a full time while school was in the background. And when we come home the weekend she was mad to come home and I just wanted to stay up there longer. I just loved it that much. Like you were you were going away for the week to work with horses and that's all I ever loved and wanted and uh, so you you would have rode out in the mornings, and it was Right now in the gallops at home, um, in race in and then in the afternoons, then you had school from about two o'clock to five o'clock, and you were coming out with a pass leave cert, start like equivalent to a level four, and then from in the evening times, then from about six to seven, you'd do gym work for an hour with Wayne Middleton up there, and then in the free time, then you would simulator lessons. So it was all go go go, but it was a really good experience and i i enjoyed my time up there for the 10 months when i was uh, 16 yeah, yeah. so i was still a very young, was still a very young age but uh, you just you learned some amount and just matured and got to live from live away from home and just learn learn to live about the real world
0: yeah yeah brilliant experience by all accounts and i, I didn't even i it's never crossed my mind that that a race and simulator would be a thing so that's obviously a handy little piece of kit to have as well
4: Exactly. Yeah, it's 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 not a real horse, but it'd be equivalent to riding in a race and the speed and you know pushing in a finish and using your stick techniques and it'd be it'd be just for good for fitness alone on the legs and the calf itself. But um, no, it's um, it's good it's good to have those uh, facilities up there in race and to use them in your free time or whenever you did have free time up there because they're just so busy. But it was good. I enjoyed it.
0: So after you finish up there, is the goal then to maybe get into a local yard or where did you go from there?
4: uh the goal the plan was to deal with it. my mom was to say if i went to release i had to come back and do my leave insert so i did i came back and did my leave insert and i was working for joe murphy and feather for the weekends and during the summer and the holidays and i took out my license with joe and um he actually gave my father his first ride on the on the track as well and i could say that joe gave me my first ride on the track so wow. there's actually history going back there too yeah um Dad, he just he he rode a few point to pointers, but he didn't pursue it. He just um, became a farmer instead. So he he loves to see me doing well with the horses and to continue it and continue it with the family. So it's great.
0: And and do you remember your your first official race?
4: Yeah, it was a horse called Fit for Function up in Dundalk in uh, January. about four years ago now, I think. Uh, we I finished fourth on him. He was a great he was a great little horse in the yard. Um, he did a few winners, but. Uh, no, I had, a, I had a few rides on him since and uh, I still remember to this day. Yeah,
0: it was great. And uh, would you be, do you remember the kind of feeling? Like, are you nervous? Are you excited? Or what was the kind of feeling? Do you know that first time it's probably a, a, a goal or a, definitely a milestone, obviously, as well?
4: Yeah, so it, it was my first time even riding around Dundalk. I never rode a piece of work or got a feel at the track and Joe says, look sure, we'll just throw you in the deep end. And it'll just be like a quick gallop going around and just, just enjoy yourself, but the famous last words just to go out and enjoy yourself but <laughs> it was like I won the race I came back with big red rosy cheeks and the smile you couldn't, swipe the, you couldn't swipe the smile off my face it was just a brilliant atmosphere and just achievement itself I know it don't all got me the warmest spots but it was fairly warm that day
0: <laughs> yeah brilliant yeah I know uh, you've, you've obviously a clear clear passion for what you do so that's, uh, it's great to hear so, yeah, to hear. so it's it's since funny. then you've, you've moved on with, with um, Andrew Slattery uh, his yard um, tell us about, a bit about that
4: yeah, so I've been in Andy's now the last uh, three years. Last September, um, I actually Andy gave me my first winner on a on a horse called Sunset Nova back in Navin um, last year. Um, now that was a, that that is a day I'll never forget. I know you won't forget your first ride, but your first winner it just was phenomenal. Like it was unbelievable just to, to pass the line in, in front because I was I had about fifty rides I think all together before I had my first winner and. It's the day at least expected it happened. And there was an apprentice race in Avon, And um, I was out the back and I just weaved my way through, hitting for the front. It was over, it was over five furlongs. And once he hit the front then, he just stayed on strong. And there was nothing crawling up my inside to the left or to the right. And I said, geez, I think I have a chance here. But sure, once I got to the line, I look up and I'm after winning. <laughs> I hear punching punching the air with joy. It was, just, it was just unbelievable.
0: Yeah, it's brilliant. And I'd imagine that kind of First of all, it's it's mad that, it, you know, like 50 races and it's when you kind of least expect it. But that, that feeling, it must be kind of a an addictive feeling then once you do get it.
4: Yeah, it was. It was it was just the thrill, the thrill of just passing the line in front. And I remember Kevin Orion interviewing me after the race going, what's the goal, what's the ambition now? I said, Kevin, it was long enough to try and get the first winner out of the way. Never mind getting any more. I was like, this is the goal. And it wasn't a week later and I rode my second winner, so it just it just happened so quickly.
0: Yeah, and and did you feel were you getting disillusioned or anything at all before getting that first win?
4: Um, it, you just kind of you're kind of thinking to yourself, just you can just work and keep the head down and just slaving away, wondering when when will this happen, when will this day come? Because the winners in Ireland it's very hard to come by because Ireland is just such a small and competitive country itself with horses with racing with the flat and jump.
5: You know, a winner
4: is it, it is a big thing in Ireland, and you know it's so small, it's a major thing. And you know, just ride the first winner was great because it's it's hard enough to get rides and get going in Ireland. But then to get the second winner, I thought maybe I might have a chance at this. I might take on because my weight and my height was ideal, and I just had no interest in anything else. Even if I even if I wasn't going to become a jockey, I think I still be working with horses in some line down down in the future like.
0: Yeah, no, it's and like just the life of a jockey, like you're not there's there's not you're not racing every day, let's say. So just the day to day life as a jockey, what would you be getting up to on the yards? So you'll
4: be riding out, you'll be we start work at seven and you'd be done on a good day you'd be done around half twelve one on a daily basis. So I work full time in Andy, so I'll be back then from half three to five. So you're you're got to get going all day if you can if you can get a chance to ride out for other trainers or ride work in the meantime from just say one o'clock to three o'clock you would there's a just a gallop up the road um in Willie Brown's we do a lot of, we work a lot of horses there so we just try and get your name out there for riding for other people just to you know get your name out there and get mm. more rides hopefully in the future and um, yeah well, it's a busy it's a, it is a busy day schedule in the life of it there's no there's no easy way around it they say like if you if you want to if you want to have a go at it you have to give it a hundred percent. Even like your fitness wise, you'd be in the gym just trying to work in your upper strength and just the endurance just to keep going. Like, you know, it's race riding is very different to riding horses at home. You'd be riding you could be riding maybe eight to ten horses a day, but riding in a race is just completely different, just fitness wise, you know, just to you're just your legs and your arms and just the upper body just to keep the strength and the, just to keep the power going.
0: Yeah, no, its I'm 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 really interested in, in all those little things because I, I wouldn't have a clue in terms of, like, you know, getting up on a horse to, to go out and race, like, what, what even the tactics are. And, you know, like, to, to give me a, a very beginner-level understanding, like, what when you're going out uh, in a race, uh, you know, wherever it is around the country, before the race, are you lining up a, a picture of the race in your mind of how you think it's going to go and what you want to do with the horse or what's the kind of, how does the, what are the tactics of a, a general flat race?
4: So every horse is different. Every horse likes to be ridden differently. There could be a horse that would be like wanting to make a running so they'd be in like they'd be uh, the forward horses in the race, so they'd be setting the pace, and then that's the way they'd like to go. Or if you have a horse that's keen, you might want to be settled in behind. So you would settle. You have a few horses in front of you just to be boxed in and settle away, and just it just depends on the distance of the race too. But um. You'd have a look at the horse's form, or what way it's ridden, or different horses wear different headgear just for keeping the horse interested in the race or to be settled. You'd wear a hood just to block out the noise, or if there's a horse that's idling, which just means it's not going forward in the race, you might put blinkers on or visors, and it just—it's just certain headgear to keep on the horse to keep it focused and to run its to run its race and do the best it's it possibly can. Um, but it, it, a lot of the newspapers, like the Race of Post, the Irish Field, would have all the information on the horses, or even the racing apps would have the you know, the previous races of how the horses ran, and you can go back and watch the way the horses ran with another jockey. and The trainer will tell you then, the day of the race in the parade ring, he'll give you his instru- his or her instructions of what, of what way they want the horse ran, and um, you just try and do the best you possibly can do to... Level it up
0: with them, yeah. Yeah, no, it's 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 a re- real interesting thing, uh, for me anyway to, to hear you talking about it. But, um, we mentioned you're you kind of hoping to push on after those first early wins, and, and you clearly have. Last year, you, were, you got the uh, the HRI's ride of the year that was for Redstone Well in in Leopardstown. Um, tell us about that because I read that you had kind of lots of family there on the day of that race, so it must have been a, a great kind of day up in Leopardstown.
4: Yeah, so last year I rode seven last year I rode well, two years ago I rode seven winners and last year just gone I rode four winners. Like the dream and the vision is just to keep right as many winners as I can to keep going. But um last year I I got better winners. I rode I won the Premier Handicap up in Lepristown. It's called the Nestralla on a horse called Redstone Well that I rode on him earlier on during the year in Ballon Robe. And I only ridden I rode him three times. I won on him twice in his first run. I was second on him in Gore, and um it it's a competitive race. It was it's a competitive it's a big deal like a, a premier handicap. You have horses rated you have horses rated between eighty and to a hundred like and um like you're up against all the big trainers like Jesse Harrington and Aidan O'Brien and Danny Danny only has a handful of few of horses. He he's the, he's the man that trained um Redstone, Danny O'Sullivan. Yeah. He's only a handful of a few horses at home and it was just a big it was a big day for him too to achieve such a big race and, and a win because those days are very hard come by and it's hard to just to get a horse to progress and to carry on and redstone proved himself that day and he won with his heart on his sleeve and he done he done it easily now to be fair to him so in that scenario he was ridden from the front as well he likes to set the pace and dominate his way around so once i jumped out of the stalls i met all and um he kept his head in front the whole way to the line, so it was brilliant. It really was.
0: Yeah, no, it's, it sounds unreal. I, I feel like I I've I've so much more to ask, but we're kind of pushed for time here. But just for the the next uh, couple of months, what are you kind of targeting um, for the, for the next couple of months?
4: Um, just to keep getting as many rides and as many winners as I can possibly get. Like I've the ladies' race won last year. That was definitely one on the checklist that I can take off. I've I've won three lady races now altogether, together. So I think. If Ireland could pursue more lady races for flat jockeys, it'd be great to get more rides and hopefully more winners out there. but they've a lot of they've a lot of lady races for the amateurs. I just love for if they're on the flat. Um yeah, just hopefully keep riding and keep getting plenty of winners and keep the success going because it's not it's not an easy game, but if you love it you wouldn't consider it a job, you know. It's yeah.
0: Great. yeah, yeah, no, it's, you're you're definitely uh sound sound like someone who's very passionate for it. Amy Jo, it's, it's been great talking to you, and hopefully we can we can catch up again.
4: Thank you very much. Thanks, Paul. It's been great. It's been a
0: pleasure. The
5: Sporting Edge on Tip FM,
3: funded by Commission Namat with the television license fee.
0: Yeah, it was great to hear from Feather jockey Amy Jo Hayes there talking about her rise in the ranks in the world of being a jockey and uh, we wish her all the success in the future as well. So now it is time to focus on Greyhound Racing and with this week's update, it's Barry Drake.
5: TIP FM's Greyhound Update in association with Greyhound Racing Ireland because this runs deep. It's another bumper weekend of Greyhound Racing here, especially in Tipperary where Clonmel hosts host a fabulous 3 nights racing as they're gearing up to big racing in the track uh, next week, of course, in conjunction uh, with the National Coursing Festival in Town Park. So all eyes on Clonmel this weekend. Just in terms of tonight's racing action, it's an all-graded car there at 7.30 start. The race I'm most looking forward to is due off at 8.45, and that's the SOS1 Sprint where you have Doubtful Buzz, who's an interesting newcomer to racing action for Don Maloney in Cashel. Bread in the Purple, it's got really good trial form. But the likes of Circus Jata for Michael Ryan in Mell, an ultra-consistent sort in superb form in recent outings. And Wilderness Magic uh, for Thomas Rowan in Mell, They're two of the leading players there in that race tonight switching our attention of course uh, to saturday night um in clonmel of course the, the racing uh goes up a notch here uh, plenty of high class trackers in action over the course of the night and it's sure um to attract a big crowd there in clonmel on saturday night the droopies kennels a3 a4 guys and doll Stake is one of the features on the card this is a great prize of €2,000 Euros to the winner. Riverside Scotch is one of the leading fancies in race number four after golden base trainer Graham Holland. Tricky enough draw... Uh, but did catch the eye last time and if producing a good start uh, should be in the mix. On to the second semi-final uh, Irish Greyhound Derby winning trainer the last uh, twice Jennifer O'Donnell Killing all is represented with Grey Graft Gift and this one caught my eye um, in defeat there in the uh, opening round and I think that will go well but keep an eye on the informed Local tracker as well uh, Manila Rachel who's owned by Master Sean Bowen that was a lovely performance last time and winning in 29-21 and very much respected uh, there uh, for its young handler elsewhere we have the Born Warrior at study 3A4 guys and Stake with 2,000 jurors to the winner of this competition I'll be keeping a close eye on Tivoli Sophie um, in race number 8 this one for James Kennedy in Clanmel 4 wins from 10 career starts if producing its best start along the inside I think it'll take plenty of catching uh, there in that race while we turn our attentions to the uh, big night in Clonmel this weekend, Sunday night of course and uh, it really is uh, top class racing down there in Clonmel on Sunday night, we're all looking forward to the uh, Rural Kennels Open Unraced Stake uh, semi-finals, 8,000 euros uh, to the winner and uh, we're going to start uh, with the opening heat, Ballymac Danica Liam Dowling always sends a good round um, to Clonmel And this is certainly one of his uh, leading fancies. Uh, for the big competitions in clanmel twenty eight, thirty nine last time. She's the daughter of Ballymac Cooper and Ballymac Armenta. Remember the name, folks. Ballymac Danica. We'll be hearing much more about her in the months ahead. Twenty eight, thirty nine last time. She'll take the world of beating in her respective heat. The same can be said about Epic Bella. Of course, the Kennedys and Turlis are producing high-class greyhounds every year. Well, they have another one here in their hands. The daughter of Broadstrand Bono is a July puppy. Of course, out of good deal, Diva, and she will prove very difficult to beat there in that race. In the other um, big semi-final, keep an eye on Carefree Comet for Bernadette Connolly. That certainly has leading uh, claims after its uh, magnificent 28-70 winning performance uh, last time. Elsewhere on the card, John Mitchell and Jennifer O'Donnell, of course, the killing all outfit. They'll be hard to beat in race number eight. Born. Uh, to perform is certainly a well-named greyhound. Two from two f- so far, twenty-eight fifty-seven and twenty-eight sixty. This is one to keep an eye on going forward. I think there's a uh, big, big days ahead for this exciting April puppy. She's a daughter of Maliki, and I think she will get the job done there in that race. Elsewhere, Clue and Creed. Is one of the leading fancies for Dan and Tom Cronin in race number nine thirty twenty seven on the clock last time. That should go well. Also keep an eye on the Graham Holland trained runner in trap number. Uh, to riverside ping Hu and um, who impressed with a 30 28 winning performance last time there are some of these standout races in clonmel uh, this weekend finally before we finish up of course Turles have their racing action on saturday night their usual um racing program down for decision all getting underway there at seven thirty five. 35 one to keep an eye on Uh, Turning our attentions to race number nine, and uh, I'm going to keep a close eye here on Hollyhill Walco, uh, this one for Porik Campion. This is a drop in class, Uh, ran well in defeat last time on finishing fourth, and I think this is is the one to be on there in Turles on Saturday night. So as I said, a really, really busy weekend of Greyhound Racing action with so much to look forward to. But all eyes, of course, are certainly on Clonmel as we're gearing up for the big weekend next weekend. We'll talk about that uh, this time next Friday. But as I said, it really is an exciting weekend of top greyhound racing action in Tipperary.
0: And many thanks to Barry Drake there for giving us our weekly greyhound update here on Across the Line. So that's pretty much all we've got time for for this week's edition of the show. I'd like to thank you, the listeners, for tuning in and all my guests tonight. We spoke with Dan Quirk earlier in the show. We spoke with Anthony Shelley. Dennis Kelly and we also heard there from Amy Jo Hayes the uh, feather jockey and of course Barry Drake just there so if you want to listen back to the show it will be online on the Tip FM website and the Tip FM uh, SoundCloud account uh, just after around quarter past seven or so if you want to catch up on anything you may have missed and a reminder to listeners six o'clock start in Semple Stadium for tomorrow's game between Tipperary and Carlow in the National Football League. Myself and Tom McGraw will be bringing you live commentary here on Tip FM with thanks to Eco Solar Energy in Kilsheelan. So until then, have a good evening and we'll chat to you tomorrow. Bye for now.